Thank you for listening to this interview series by me, David Roth, from WPP, in conjunction with the World Retail Congress, which was recorded live at the World Retail Congress 2023. In this edition, I'm in conversation with Julia Olofsson and Tarek Jalawi. Julia is the Head of Human and Child Rights at Inca Group, where she leads the work on integrating the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights across the company Inca Group, formerly known as IKEA Group, and with Tarek, a refugee and digital ambassador for Inca Group. Tarek and his wife left Syria in 2016, fleeing the civil war. After a long exodus through the desert with their son, then only three, they managed to reach Melilla and became refugees in Spain. For more conversations in this podcast series, go to wppbav.com forward slash WRC 2023. But not before you've listened to this. Julia, perhaps you could give it a bit of context. We've just uh, had an amazing session with you and Tarek and the team talking about the contribution that refugees are making within IKEA. Can you give us a bit of a context to the program that you created? Absolutely. Um, So we've been, uh, as a company, committed to supporting refugees since 2015. Uh, And we've worked on it in a number of our our local communities where we know that refugees are increasingly a large part of those neighborhoods. In 2019, we took the next uh, step together with a couple of other um, IKEA friends and we launched a more systematic way of of how we can actually uh, not only support refugees but also integrate them much more into our companies. So currently we're working with three different initiatives. Um, one is called Skills for Employment, which is really around upskilling and reskilling refugees that have arrived in host uh, communities. Programs are generally around three to six months long, and they focus on language skills, uh, cultural skills, as well as on-the-job retail skills in our stores. Um, we've seen we've rolled this out now in 22 of our markets. Uh, we've had about 1,700 participants so far uh, and growing. And this is really about providing newly arrived refugees or asylum seekers with the skills needed in that local market. Now, one of the things that struck me during the session we've just completed is the fact that this program started as something that was relatively small in one country and has clearly grown to be something that's uh, fundamental to the program right across IKEA. Tell us a little bit about that journey from one to many. I think as as many of uh, our social impact programs, they start with often us on a local level identifying what is a social topic that we feel that we as a company can address. There's of course a lot of societal issues, but it's also around where do can we as a company make the biggest difference. So it really started as um, the wave of refugees that we saw coming to Europe in 2015, understanding that many of them are are part of the communities where we are present, but also as well as a a wish from us as a company to reflect better the diversity of the communities where we operate. Then, of course, it has grown since then because we've seen the business benefits uh, of it very clearly in terms of retention rates, in terms of uh, upskilling co-workers, being able 
to increase the sense of belonging uh, for those working at IKEA. And I suppose that sort of interrelationship between what I suppose you could sum up of, uh, of maybe doing good is good business in a sense, that sort of relationship is very important from a commercial perspective. Absolutely. I mean, this is uh, we we are committed to having a positive social impact in in the communities where we're present. But it's it's based on, of course, us as a company and what are some of the needs that we see for the future. So we know that, for example, in retail, uh, staff turnover is is a big challenge. But we've also seen with the programs that we've run, for example, the skills for employment, that the participants that then end up working with us, they actually stay for much longer than what maybe a, a general coworker does. So for example, in France, we've seen that we have a 90% retention rate of the participants from skills for employment compared to 55 among our, our normally recruited coworkers. As well as retention benefits, what benefits are there in cohesive team structures, diversity within the teams, within the stores? I think there's a big benefit around it, especially because you want to represent the places where we are. And I think what we have seen in, in, our lo- in our internal co-worker service is that it increases the sense of belonging, where people feel not only you as a co-worker, there's somebody who has similar experiences, a similar background as you, but also our customers being able, when you come into the store, to connect to co-workers that share your experience, maybe share your language, you know, so I think that's one one part that we see not only for the ones that are actively engaged, but also in general for the co-workers in the store. Now, uh, Tarek, you lived in Syria. Yes. <laughs> you don't live in Syria anymore. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Uh, I left Syria in 2011 uh, when the war is increased and I have decided to move on. I have a child and I have to search for the future. I lose everything, actually. I lose my work and I lose my house. And that's why we decided to go forward. And we move on from... We start the journey to 2011 and we go to Algeria and we stay there for two years. Actually, difficult two years. And then we we have decided... When we lose again the work, (laughs) we have decided again to go forward and for the child and for the future to go to Europe. And with very bad way, actually, from Algeria to Spain. But we are finally here in Spain. Uh, we start with Madrid and we then when decide we have to go to Murcia. And actually, I don't know where is Murcia was before. And we move on. And uh, I am here in Murcia. Well, I'm in Murcia from five years. We start with the employing program with an organization with IKEA, and I am now working in IKEA, like the selling department and digital ambassador. So tell us a little bit about the program in IKEA. Uh, when you turned up on day one, what faced you? <laughs> oh, exactly. When I start from the program of employment in IKEA, they have called me for one month to. Like improving skills, actually. They have start with the customer relationship and different department to see the real life of the situation, how it is, and the real work and the situation in general and the city what, when where we are. 
And when they finish that training, we have the new our new feedbacks from the from the manager and and the friends and what we have and everything. And we go to home, like we finish the training, and they call me one month later actually, and they told me if you're interested to work in AKR, you're welcome. And actually, I go running for AKR. <laughs> you go running. You haven't looked back since. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any patience. And they told me you don't know where you like to work. I, I actually I don't. I don't. I want to work in IKEA. Actually, I don't think where. What was your perspective of a company like IKEA offering you a job? Actually, it's I. In the same time, actually, first of all, I have thinking like it's uh, integrate people, uh, integrate skills that they have so in our step of what we are working in the training cultural exchange, uh, languages. We have uh, through much of things and we have the positive that we can we can make anything uh, possible. That's why I'm thinking that um, that's what they saw AKA in ourselves. And actually, AKA, they give us that, yes, you can. You can make whatever you can. Not you. Ha- you don't have barriers in IKEA. You can you can go through on, and that's why we are here. And actually, I'm going on. I still studying languages. <laughs> I'm still improving my skills in IKEA, but actually in IKEA inside. Now, am I right in saying that when you were offered the job at IKEA in uh, Spain? Yeah. You actually didn't speak any Spanish or very no. little Spanish. I started and, and, and yet they took a bet on you. <laughs> exactly. That's why uh, that's that's things I will never forget in my life. Actually, they, they start with IKEA without Spanish. And I will go with Spanish market or with Spanish people. And that's very important things for me. That's why they, they, I'm thinking by myself that I have to learn Spanish. I have to do it. IKEA, they have... Uh, like uh, confidence, yes, in me, and I have to be exactly the same what they are thinking about me, and I will be. And that's why I start with English, a little Spanish, little French, a little Arabic, and start studying when I'm working, and with the friends, with managers, with every people that I have in the blue box, I have to do it. <laughs> now, when you left Syria, yeah. um, you couldn't take... Quite clearly, you couldn't take a lot of your possessions, but you weren't in also a position to take with you educational certificates, documents. How difficult is it for a refugee to be able to gain employment when you can't give your potential employers a whole ream of uh, what they sort of expect in terms of qualification, documentation, certification? Actually, it's very difficult when you have to start a new life who like uh, refugees from 35 years ago. Uh, all what you have studied in your life and everything they will tell you is not valued. And actually when I go from my home, I didn't have any certificate, but I didn't think it will be that situation. And then uh, when I'm starting IKEA, that, uh, actually in Spain, when I was searching about work, Actually, we have uh, the barrier, the major, the major one, the languages, and that, that you have certificate. Okay, I has I I was working in one bank, and I have I my my small shop. But did you have certificate that this really you have it? Actually, no, I don't have nothing. This is a problem that what I have made here in Spain. 
always the same asking and with the the, the same uh, you know like uh, refugees in with the red guard uh, something different it's i don't know why but it's always different you know you can ask for a job and they will tell you mm, we will see but and from an IKEA policy perspective what changes did you make to be able to cope with employing refugees without qualification, documentation, certification, all the things that probably you ask other employees to uh, to produce at an interview or their first day? I mean, uh, this work that we've done and the lessons that we've learned over the last couple of years has definitely changed the way that we recruit uh, talent uh, in general. One of the things that we've tried to implement with our recruiting teams now, and we've actually done some trainings together with UNHCR on this, is to really look at talents and not CVs. And this has taken different shapes in different markets depending on the needs. So, for example, in IKEA Poland, where we saw a, a huge increase in Ukrainian refugees, they started conducting recruitment interviews in uh, Ukrainian so that you would feel comfortable at least being able to demonstrate your talents in your own language. Uh, then, for example, in Switzerland, they've trialed something what we call a five-day job trial. So rather than sitting through a lengthy interview process, you actually get out on the shop floor and you test the job, uh, allowing us then to see, you know, what are the capabilities and skills that you as a person bring to it, it's probably rather a much than better maybe way. what's on paper. It's probably a much way of uh, being able to spot really, natural yeah. talent. Exactly. And I mean, some of the things that we, we've spoken and what we've heard from Tarek, for example, is also the other things that you bring as a refugee to the team that you're in. There's a lot of motivation. It's a high loyalty, a lot of enthusiasm for the work and a willingness to learn. And I think that's something that might not necessarily come through a formal recruitment process. Now, Tarek, many people who are listening to this might think, uh, well, that's uh, an interesting thing to do. I've never really thought about doing it from a a retailer-employer perspective. What advice would you give them? Uh, actually, advice, like, every people, everyone, every person, they have uh, the right to improve himself, yes? We need the chance to improve ourselves, to the retailers, to... Just if we don't have certificate, that not mean that we don't have education and we don't have... Mm, that we can make our world good and good enough and we will make it better than what we have. Uh, actually, we have to improve ourselves to retailers and we, and we have big loyalty and we throw much of things in our life and now we are here to, to change that, to make the future, to make future for our family, not only for ourselves. Actually, I am working and I have a good job also for my wife and for my child and for my our future. Our future is the most important. Not for me, by myself. It's all for all my family. Then, uh, <clears throat> really, the advice that, uh, like, for example, what she said, Julie, at the, that if you let me try, I will prove for you that we can. I will approve it. But if you can't let me try, it's very difficult. Uh, not all what not the, all people that they have certificates they have the knowledge no and I, they have a lot of people that we had it but now we don't actually we had it but now we don't and here in this in this situation what we have we can evaluate 
if you didn't let me try, I can evaluate that. Yes, I can. Actually, even the driver license, what we are talking about, I have it from 20 years. And here I have to make a new one. Now, Julia, you've partnered with UNHCR. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the benefits that UNHCR brings to the activities that you've created. I think the, the main benefit, of course, that they bring is the knowledge that they have around refugees, both in terms of... Uh, the actual situation around the world, helping us to to prepare uh, and understand what are the the flows that we might see, but also a lot in in concrete knowledge around the integration part and the importance of integration. They sit on a lot of practical knowledge, of course, around rights to employment, um, the certificates, uh, the skills, and the sort of needs that refugees come with. And then they've also been an instrumental role in in helping us internally advocate for why should we have this commitment to supporting refugees. Um, and then there's uh, there's one more aspect of our partnership that I want to highlight, and it's really around um, there is of course the hiring of refugees uh, that we as companies concretely can do, but there's also the part where we call changing the narrative, which is really around addressing together the benefits that refugees bring to the host communities, both uh, for us as companies, as, as excellent employees, but also into the societies and, and really addressing some of those misconceptions that we might uh, see coming across, whether it's in media or, or, or the, on the streets. Um, and I think that's an equally big part where we as companies have a role to play uh, in bringing what are those benefits that we see with the integration I think you make a really important point because the narrative of refugees being able to improve their lives, uh, to help their families, uh, to contribute back to the society, the new society uh, that they're in, is an important aspect of the narrative and uh, is uh, tends to be sort of forgotten by most of the mainstream media. Yeah. Now, looking to the future. Obviously, we hope that uh, the refugee problems around the world uh, will uh, decrease as opposed to increase. Uh, but uh, I think we will have refugees and an increasing number of refugees for the foreseeable future. Looking at your programmes, yeah. what are the future of those, do you think? Well, I think there's a lot of learnings that we have from the last couple of years around the skills for employment programmes, hiring displaced talent frameworks uh, that we've had. And what we're really looking at now is is the integration. How do we mainstream this into uh, our core learning offer, for example, into our recruitment processes? One of the things that we're uh, looking at now is uh, a lot of the skills for employment has been about entry-level positions, so gaining the the basic skills starting on the shop floor. But as, as Tarek has also said, now it's really about how do you advance as well in the companies? How do we promote and how do we upskill to take the next step within and so those are some of the things that we're looking at and then of course we will continue the work that we're doing together with partners around the advocacy because as we said you know there is a there is a huge role to play uh, in changing the narrative and that is both I think in the wider communities but also with policymakers around the benefits of employing refugees and opening sort of uh, the arms to them. Well, Tarek, you're uh, a real inspiration to us. Thank you very much indeed uh, for sharing both uh, your journey and <laughs> uh, the experiences that you've had in the IKEA programme. Finally, Julia, just one word for you. Again, for 
large or small retailers uh, who are listening to this who are thinking, you know, now is the time for me to take action. What advice would you give them? Start small. Uh, find your partners. Uh, we have not done this on our own in any way. Uh, we've started with localized programs and working with local partners who know and, and, uh, and, and can work together to support you with it. The skills for employment programs are generally run in cooperation with local NGOs who support with uh, some of the cultural training, the language skills training. So I think it's start small, find your partners, uh, but also don't let a lot of the practicalities around so for so like language certifications stop you because there are barriers that are quite easy to overcome if you're a little bit innovative and, and willing to change the ways that you're working. Well, uh, Julia of IKEA and now Tarek also uh, of IKEA, thank you very much indeed for joining me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. For more conversations in this podcast series, go to wppbav.com forward slash WRC 2023.